It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And yes, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. So typically 5.30 on Tuesdays, we have Linnell for Overreaction Tuesday. But Linnell, I did start the show with yeah. the tale of my couch and the whole saga that just ruined my Tuesday. Uh, in terms of the scheduling and, and all of the things. Yes. So I appreciate you staying after screaming at Chris Russell for three hours. I would have loved to chime in on your couch conversation. My pockets are a little bit lighter, Craig Hoffman, because yeah. I, I, I wrote down some money from you that I didn't receive because you went somewhere else. Well, you weren't available when we initially. It's so okay. Linnell I'm just also does your some, has a side gig doing some junk removal and I did reach out to Lynn, to in fairness, I reached out to you first. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, you know what? You are right with me. As long yeah. as you reached out first. Unfortunately, your partner who had the actual access yes. to the truck was uh, on a cruise. On a cruise. He's back. He returned Sunday. Okay. But by but then, yes. we had already booked yeah, someone yeah, else. Everyone's, and, by the way, I watched the Instagram story. To call that thing a couch is completely underselling it, my boy. It's a, it's a sectional. It's a sectional, baby. We got a, we got a sectional. We got a sectional with an it's ottoman. It's damn good looking. It's a, it's a nice couch. It's very, very adult purchase. It costs the amount. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, that's that, was, uh, that makes it an adult that's, purchase. That's the kind of How thing that's like we're going to have. Uh, I mean, it wasn't outrageous. We didn't spend $15,000 on a couch. You can do that kind of thing. You know, there's some couches that you look at and you're like, oh, cool, this is beautiful. Never mind. <laughs> when you go couch, furniture shopping right. is the worst. It's so funny, too. Like, I've had so many people, like friends, some people that like I haven't talked to in five years be like, oh, my God, this couch is beautiful. Where did you get it? I've been looking for three years. <laughs> That's you got lucky then. We did. We caught it on sale. I give Rachel all the credit for getting the couch, by That's, the way. That's uh, always the correct thing. <laughs> in the house. Not always. I, no, it's yeah. not like I carry my weight. Um, but in this particular case, she uh, she definitely Shout out to Rachel for the cool job. couch. Indeed. Okay. You said mm-hmm. something to me in the break that I think is a classic Linnell Take, overreaction. Yeah. It's uh, not a, hit, hit me with it. I just think... Hit the audience with So it. if you turned into the Chris Russell show earlier for Win Back Wednesday, you heard me say this. I think, first of all, Ben Johnson, I want to preface my statement by saying he is a more than qualified candidate. But in this hiring cycle in particular, I think the guys he's competing against for these jobs are, are so damn qualified. This may be the best head coach candidate pool that we've had in some time. I don't disagree with we that. We got a couple of really good retreads in Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn, who people are going to turn their nose at. Mike Vrabel is available, and guys like him just don't become available. It's a really good candidate field. Yep. I'm not even – first of all, if I had to do a top 10 list, Ben Johnson would 100% be on my top 10 candidates list. I do see the good that he's done in Detroit. I just feel like – Maybe he's not even the best head coach candidate on his own staff, which is why Washington is adamant on interviewing Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator for the Lions. I look at the job Aaron Glenn has done, and I understand you can't really control your talent. They don't have a lot of talent defensively in Detroit. They, they I don't. Ju- I, I, don't uh, I wouldn't say that. Aiden Hutchinson's a stud. Aiden Hutchinson's a damn good Brian player. Brian Branch is a Brian stud. Branch is a damn good player. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson's been really damn good, good for player. them. He's their been out most of the year, though. Their corners have the quarterback situation is tough. Cameron Sutton ain't a good. Like, come on. Like, he's done a good job with them. He has, but he's. I think Aaron Glenn's getting the most out of a bunch of guys yeah, that I mean, aren't Jack household Campbell names. Jack Campbell was also a really nice pick for them. He was. Okay, credit Campbell. to Brad Holmes. That I, I know 
Aaron Glenn's probably like, wow, I'm happy they're finally drafting guys on my side of the football. That's my one thing I would say about Ben Johnson versus Aaron Glenn and why I think his job has been a little bit more impressive to me. They don't, despite what Craig says, and we can disagree, I just don't think they have invested the resources defensively that they have on offense. Okay, so let's hold on. Let's break that down on like a mm-hmm. factual basis mm-hmm. because what's offensively? And this is not me saying they haven't, just to be clear. I don't want it mm-hmm. to come off in the way I'm asking the question. What have they invested offensively? Uh, they spent money this offseason on David Montgomery. They used the first-round pick on a running back. They, they did. used a high pick on a tight end. They did. Uh, Panay Sewell was a first-rounder. He was um, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But, like, in that time, they've also – And money. They also drafted Jack Campbell in the fir- in the same exact draft that they drafted mm-hmm. and Brian Branch uh, in in their the same draft they drafted Gibbs in. They drafted Aiden Hutchinson with their highest pick of all last year. Yes, like the it's not really this big disparity between offense and defense and how they've done it. C.J. Gardner Johnson, <sighs> David David Montgomery, like I don't I'd have to check, but I can imagine they're not making that much different money wise. Gardner Johnson's probably making more. I hear you on that. When you look at and then, like, and a lot the, of this, the, the guy that also gets twisted in this is like, well, he has Amon Ross St. Brown. He was a fourth-round pick that yeah. Johnson has turned into an all-pro or helped turn into an all-pro. Shout-out to our guy, Antoine Antoine Rand- 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 I'm about to say, can we give, can we give Antoine like Rand- 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 some credit? Some, some credit. But, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand there, there's pushback to what I said. But just from my optics, at least, that's that's the way it feels. Now, if you go back and look at Break it with down. The actual information, not with the actual information, but like look at it for what it is. Aiden Hutchinson is your big, your big argument for sure. But like, it's a pretty significant argument. It is. It's, it's the most they nailed. Who has more talent most... on what side of the ball, though? Like when you look at it from that standpoint, like who's got the more talented players? Their offense or their defense? The I think offense. it's pretty even. They're a oh. really good football team. He's got. They're really Melifonu really playing good football. Yeah, like, but again. Uh, Ben Johnson's got Amon Ross St. Brown playing like Hall of Fame football. Like you don't get to have it both that. ways because a guy is playing really well for multiple years. And th- this is my thing where I feel like people are. Let me let me are, let me phrase it like this, Craig. Who on offense? Right, they've got the best rookie tight end. I think the Laporta du- was a phenomenal. Player. Yes, the the running back duo of Montgomery and Gibbs. Gibbs, is they had top a three in the NFL. The the receiving like when you look at when I say talent is different on offense and defense, when you look at, like, who's in a top-five position at their at their group, or who's, at, who's a top-five player at their position group, a lot of those are on the offensive side for Detroit, not to defense. Like, But how did they get there? That's my question. So let me, let me not push back. Let me mm-hmm. counter you with this, right? Have you seen the viral uh, Rams video about Puka Nakua's draft day? No. I'm oh, not. you haven't seen this? No, which so, I, I see everything, I will, but I haven't seen this. I will, I will try to recap it in 15 seconds. Basically, they're getting towards the fifth round, and Nakua's on the board, and Les Snead and Sean McVay are having a conversation, and Les is like, so you really like this kid, huh? And Sean's like, yes. And he's like, you have a plan for him. And Sean just starts going, he's like, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. He can block his face off. I love him, this. And Les is like, well, you know, we only... And his, his time wasn't very good, but his GPS data, if we ranked him on that, he'd be a top 10 guy in the class in terms of speed. Let's do it. And the reason they ultimately let's do it is because Sean had such a distinct plan for Nakua. And if you watch, know exactly what to do with that guy. That is what Ben Johnson does. I think Jameer Aaron Glenn's Gibbs, doing that on defense. Jameer Gibbs isn't mm-hmm. a good use of a first-round pick in 20-plus teams in the National Football League. Right. He is an incredible pick for the Detroit Lions, 
because Ben Johnson knows exactly what to do with him. Amon Ross St. Brown is a all-pro 1,500-yard receiver because Ben Johnson knows exactly what to do with him. Jared, there has been some revisionist history on Jared Goff that is driving me insane. His last two years in L.A. were not good. His first year in Detroit under Anthony Lynn as the O.C. was also not good. His last two years under Ben Johnson, phenomenal. Like, we can't just say, oh, the talent, because it's the top five guy at a position, when the reason that guy's top five at a position is because he's being put in an excellent position, strengths accentuated, weaknesses hidden, all that kind of stuff, complementary parts by a guy that has a plan. And that guy is, to an extent, Dan Campbell, is, to an extent, Brad Holmes, being able to find the talent. But if you listen to a guy like Adam Peters, he will tell you, if the coach doesn't have that plan, I can't go. If the coach doesn't give me the recipe, I can't buy the groceries. Ben Johnson has a recipe. He's good at identifying what he needs. And I think people are pushing back on that and are bored of it because he's been consistently excellent for two years and it's not new and sexy like Bobby Slowick is with C.J. Stroud after one year, like Canellis is now because he's someone who's a little bit new. The but fact- how is that? But I, I just, I don't know. I just feel like... The Ben Johnson thing qualified, it's, I don't know. And we had this conversation before about not dinging a guy because of the talent that he gets to work with. It's up yes, to him. Yes, the goal to, is ultimately, of course, to get talent and have someone work ma- very you well you got to maximize it. that talent. And no I think, one doubts that Kyle Shanahan's great. No right. one also doubts that Kyle Shanahan's talent. That's why he's in his third straight NFC championship Ben Johnson game. has done a good job maximizing the talent, but you can make the exact same argument for Aaron Glenn on defense. You don't draft Brian Branch without having a plan for him. He was the ultimate 100%. hybrid tweener in this draft, and that's why he ultimately fell. Clearly, he was one of the top 10 defensive players in the class. Easily. But you had to have a plan for him like you're alluding to. I even look at the three-safety look that Detroit is now starting to go with, which is why they brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You had to have a plan for him. Damn good player, but the plan implemented by Aaron Glenn matters. I would say this, too, Why? and I know some people are going to be like, well, huh, who cares about the NFL PA surveys? I do, when it helps my argument. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can be honest and transparent here. Oh, he it's was relevant. How one players up, feel matters. It, he was number one in terms of the uh, offense list. His name was number one. Ben Johnson didn't make the top five of the of the offensive candidate list. So I do, since we're since we're going to go mm-hmm. on Linnell's argument, I do find it hilarious that you're making that argument as the same guy who spent weeks defending Eric Bieniemy, who players want to just absolutely decapitate. I think lazy players want to decapitate. Uh, Eric I Bien-Aimé. think it's more than that. I think lazy. I, we, we, I think can, we can go way back and forth not, about we're that. Not, we're not I going. We're not going down that rabbit hole again. How was Eric? Aaron mm-hmm. Glenn. I think Aaron Glenn's a good candidate. I think Aaron Glenn is dynamic as a personality. That's the big I think, part of it. I think Eric, or Aaron Glenn has done a tremendous job of, like you said, creating a plan, using the pieces. And I think that's mm-hmm. a requirement to work in that Detroit Lions organization. Oh, God, I'm forgetting their GM's name. He's uh, awesome. Quasi Yes, thank you. Um, you know, so, like, those kind of pairings mm-hmm. are what you, what you want. I just think, again, I favor the way offensive coaches think about football. I also, specific to Aaron Glenn, distinctly remember midway through last year when the Lions Mm -hmm. were blowing a bunch of games where they were scoring a bunch of points, Aaron Glenn was probably about a week from getting fired. Yes. And I I respect and appreciate the fact that he turned it around. I'd also rather have the guy that's just been consistently excellent. And I also think from a qualification standpoint, like – Positions that I like as a head coach, and it, this is not exclusive, it's not a requirement, 
but it is a positive. Like, these are more positives on Ben Johnson's resume to me. And by the way, Slowick has a lot of them as well. Have you coached quarterbacks? Have you coached tight ends? Johnson's done both. Because that means you have a fundamental understanding of the pass game and the run game. And the most important position in sports in career. And so because Johnson has those qualifications, much like Dan Campbell did, by the way, um, Campbell more of a tight ends guy, obviously, than a, than a quarterbacks guy. Mm-hmm. But that speaks to me a lot. It's why like Raheem Morris is so interesting to me. He's coached, because on, both sides he's coached on both sides of the ball. He's had to deal with the run game. He's had to deal with the pass game. Like those are the guys I want as my head coach that have this universal understanding of football based off their experiences. You can learn that stuff. So right, Aaron Glenn, I'm sure knows plenty about the run game as a defensive coordinator, even though he was a cornerback and a defensive backs coach by trade. I'm not diminishing that fact, but is he going to be able to build the roster in the same way and have that give that that recipe in the same way on both sides of the ball that that um, Ben Johnson might? In my opinion, my guess for player because the track record of former players as head coaches in this league is pretty darn good, it feels like. Um, that That's super important for me. Someone just tweeted at me, so I just lost my thought mid, mid-sentence and mid-conversation. Hey, I'm over here. Phone? My phone doesn't here. matter. I'm not, but look, no, I'm, I'm not looking I'm, at it. I'm researching as we as we talk. That's where mm-hmm. that's how I remembered what position Aaron Glenn played because for some reason that that lost my brain. I'm old enough to remember seeing him play. That's yeah. something. But Terrible. no, I I hear what you're saying about Ben, and ultimately the one thing I would take away from you, and I love the point that you made. You got to have a plan for players, and I think that's something that gets lost. This is what I was like. for a first time head coach who's never done it before and is going to have a lot of responsibilities on his plate from just being the manager of the team, how invested and involved is he going to be in the development of this quarterback? We love the way Ben Johnson's worked with Jared Goff, but Ben Johnson was only focused on working with Jared Goff. When you bring him in as now your head coach, you got to have a lot of trust in your staff, obviously. Sure, but like every other other coach has to answer that same question. What? Like, how is Aaron Glenn going to develop him? Aaron Glenn's job isn't to develop the quarterback. That's oh, what his he's offensive staff. It's, it's his, certainly bro- okay. So his what's his plan? Staff what's his more, plan? Who's his OC? I think he tries to steal Fraley. <laughs> I mean, probably, but it, yeah. Fraley's going to go wherever Johnson goes because if Johnson's not here, Johnson's going some, to Seattle or somewhere right. else. He will get so a job in the Fraley, cycle. Fraley's going with Johnson, which, by the way, is another move that I love because that marrying of the pass game and the run game, something that for inexplicable reasons coaches haven't done here for years. Uh, you get your O-line coach. He's basically your fourth coordinator. Mm-hmm. Super duper important. But all those guys, and like at least for Johnson, it's like, hey, I'm going to be the, you, you know, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. By the way, you're asking a question that no one knows. We, yeah. well, that Ben Johnson better know and Aaron well. Glenn better know and Bobby Sloak better know. <laughs> right. And that is going to be asked by probably Rick Spielman based off the, or Adam Peters in these interviews, yes. right? So I think that's a good insightful thing that we should point out and highlight and underline to say like, hey, this is the kind of thing that people need to think about. There better be a good answer. The answer that has worked best in the NFL, as you well know, mm-hmm. is to do it the way that Sean and Kyle and Kevin and, and some of these other offensive coaches that still call plays, LaFleur, have done, where you set your staff up where some of that managing and some of that administrative stuff gets handled by other people mm-hmm. because you do need to be involved. And I would imagine Ben Johnson knows how to do that. Um, in the same way that Kyle and Sean inherently knew how to do it when they took their jobs as first-time head coaches. Like, they figured it out. Um, Kevin figured it out. Um, you know, LaFleur, big time, figured it out. Like, dealing with Aaron Rodgers is a different challenge than dealing with a rookie, but, like, 
damn, that takes a lot of time. <laughs> like yes. you gotta you gotta deal with that personality. LaFleur's done it tremendously. And by the way, he apparently developed Jordan Love all the way in the background. So like there True. is there is a way to do it. I and one of the It's things, just a question real, that I well, have. That's real quick, it, what I would say to answer it more directly for mm-hmm. Johnson, did you hear Dan Campbell uh answer Nikki's question last yes. week about this? One of the things that Ben Johnson did when he didn't take a job last cycle was see this as like a big time study year. I'm going back and I'm going to ask a bunch of questions about being a head coach and I'm going to kind of observe a bunch of stuff in a way, kind of like what Ron talked about doing for Eric this year. Who knows if that actually happened? Um, But that idea of like, hey, I'm going to ask questions about how we built a roster. I'm going to get more involved in the roster side of it because I know I'm going to be a head coach a year from now. He's done that homework. I don't think when Bobby Slowick took the job in Houston, he was thinking about that stuff. So that extra year can be super beneficial and super helpful and probably encapsulates the answer to your question. Thank you for answering my question. But look, at the end of the day, whoever they hire, I'm on board for because my team that I love, that I get emotional about, has been run like a damn third world country since I was born in terms of the traditional power structures that good teams have. Especially with the corruption. Very exactly. third world country. Come on. So I'm just okay with whatever they do. I think it makes for good radio yeah, to got, debate got, the topics. We got good first we got corruption in first world countries too. And second. Really, <laughs> corruption's kind of a kind of a global thing. Yeah. Anyway, the point <laughs> is I agree with you yeah. on that largest point that this is like there are a like I, I make no bones about it. I think Johnson's the best candidate. I want Johnson. However, <laughs> if Raheem Morris gets the job, I can explain to you a million reasons why that's a phenomenal yes. hire. Aaron Glenn, I can say, like, yeah, I have my questions. They're just different questions. But it speaks to how coach. good the pool is, man. Dan Quinn. Yeah. Like, I, I hope Dan Quinn gets another job, and I think he'll do very well. Um, listening to, to Logan talk about him and some of the questions he was asking himself after things went south in Atlanta, like that's a dude that's done the proper introspection right. that didn't think he get he got a raw deal and got screwed and just has to do the same thing again. Yeah. Like Dan Quinn's going to be a good head coach. Um, Raheem, I think I said, like big Raheem Morris fan. Um, so there, there's a lot of – I mean, Slowick I think is fascinating. People talk about yeah. Slowick the way we used to talk about McVeigh. Like I do think that you might it might be a year early to ideal, but it still is probably a good idea for someone to hire him. Canellis, I, yeah. I think, is a very intriguing candidate. I mean, this dude turned Geno Smith around and then went turning Baker Mayfield around. Like, Back-to-back years. Clearly, clearly worth yeah. it. I mean, Evero in, in Carolina, young defensive coordinator. Yep. McDo- mm-hmm. We haven't even talked about the Baltimore guys. Baby I think Belichick. Weaver, I think Weaver and McDonald are both tremendous coaches. Yes. Especially when you, Weavers that slept on one to me because a lot of uh, Baltimore's defensive linemen are homegrown, drafted guys that I believe with a, with a Jabbo, he wasn't healthy at first. Oh, way what he's done with him. Like, they also got Chuck Smith down there, the pass rushing savant, helping that part of it. But yeah. to your point, like, Baltimore's got two very good candidates, and I love Mike McDonald. He's number one on my list, by the way. I, I, can't I would get want mad Mike McDonald. I. Yeah. My only concern, as long as he doesn't hire Greg Roman. Well, my only concern is like, what do you do on offense? And again, yeah. it's a concern. It's a question that's going to be asked in the interview mm-hmm. process. It's why the interview process is really important. Yes. And we're not going to get to know the answers. We don't. We don't get to go to a press conference after they hire whoever they hire. And be like, yeah. And be like, hey, by the way, the other candidate that's not sitting at the table next to you, when you asked about their OC. What did they say? Like that's not. <laughs> I wish. Right? That's not how that worked. That'd we, be really cool. We need hiring cycle hard knocks. NFL, Ooh. listen to that. Might be might be a cash cow for you. Yeah, I would love uh, it. You want to you want to know uh, how that would be received within league circles? Hmm. 
Not well. Yeah, I know. Not well. They probably don't even like real hard knocks. No, a lot of them don't. Although, I will say, you want to know who embraced hard knocks? Who? Dan Campbell and the Lions. It honestly, yes, it started all of this hype and hoopla about them. And it's not it just shows, hype. And I, I love that McDaniels yeah. did it this year with Miami. I think he embraced it as well. He's like, mm-hmm. you want to know what? Like, go ahead. I want people to see who we are. And obviously, like, you know, they started slow last year, but it wasn't because of hard knocks. It was because they were figuring, you know, Glenn was figuring out the defense. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, he eventually figured it out. And McDaniel, like, they lost. They had a bunch of dudes go down to injuries. Like, what do you want in Miami? But, like, yeah. it's like, hey, we do things a way that we're proud of. Bring the cameras in. And I, I, and they were I appreciate authentic. I loved that. it. <clears throat> I appreciate that a lot. Uh, that's actually something that's on my to-do list. I think I might go back and rewatch the Detroit Hard Knocks. I don't think Johnson's very heavily featured in it, but... I it's do worth wonder, a watch. I do wonder what I can pick up. I mean, it was so good the first time around. I'm not going to be mad about rewatching it. Yeah. Uh, so, Jamal Williams was my favorite of that, that yeah. season. He was Who awesome. knew that just a year later, uh, he, his main character moment would be uh, Jameis Winston not kneeling on the football I at know. the end of that game. Anyway, Shocker. Anyway, I love Jameis, too. Uh, we were going to talk some NBA stuff. We ran out of time. Yeah. That was a good discussion. I appreciate though. it, though. It was good. Yeah. Uh, all right, I'll give my we... NBA take before I get out of here, though. Doc Rivers is going to be horrible with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I feel like they've just completely took a step back. And Giannis, I hope he didn't have any uh, any any role in, in Adrian Griffin getting fired because I'm still upset that he lost to the Miami Heat last summer and then said it wasn't a failure. Do better, Giannis. Um, I don't yeah. disagree with you that Doc probably wasn't who I would have hired. No. Um, I don't know that I'd have fired Budenholzer in the first place. I do well, think Adrian Griffin needed to go. Yeah. God, that was a disaster. Like, when you run Terry Stotts out of town, when Terry and Dame are like this, like before the season, show something alarm, was off. I didn't even know that bells. piece of the puzzle either, so you're teaching me something on that. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. There, there has been rumors about the the interior issues in the Milwaukee Bucks basically since he showed up there. Wow. Not a good situation. Um, but Doc is the replacement. You might have gotten the first half of the sentence right, Milwaukee. Not so much on the second. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. eventually we'll talk about for that sure. on this show. Maybe with Linnell, maybe not. Uh, you know, They'll be around for a while, so that's the good thing. We'll have plenty of opportunity. Uh, when can we catch you? By the way, real quick at mm-hmm. the end of here, before we get to never read the comments, how'd the national show go over the weekend? Oh, it was great. It was good. Um, five hours of radio was a, lot. was a little long. Three breaks per hour, so it was different. I'm peeling back the curtain a little bit. Uh, my next national show, I got invited back, so that's good. Yeah! Um, uh, Pro Bowl Sunday. Nice. The third, so it's not this weekend, but next weekend. Nice. So. Uh, well, good luck with that. Yes, sir. Uh, good luck with all the other stuff you're doing here. Appreciate it. And uh, appreciate you sticking around. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, when we get back here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, How do you time, deal with that? I, I toss the break as quickly as I can. We're gonna The beeping will be over, <laughs> and we'll do never read the comments. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Dave Johnson joins us on a Wizards game day coming up at the top of the hour. Very much, of course, looking forward to that. But I look forward to this every single week. It is the time where I get to I get to take all the the intaking I do of, of YouTube comments all week long. Of course, you can follow our show on YouTube at Craig Hoffman. And of course, you can watch it live every day on the Team 980. But uh, I, I just, I sometimes I, I respond, actually respond to a lot of comments, but never, never give the, the good ones their full attention or sometimes even the bad ones their full attention until right now, 5.30 on Wednesdays when it's time for Never Read the Comments. We tried to warn them. They didn't listen. Yeah! 
Every week, the Hoffman Show goes into the belly of the beast. We read those comments, baby. Never read the comments. All right, let's do it. There's a lot of lot of doozies this weekend. We're gonna dive right in with our guy Cy Twelve, uh, talking about because obviously there's a lot of conversation. Uh, yesterday we had a caller segment talking about who do you want your head coach to be for the Commanders. Uh, got into a big whole EB side conversation. People talking about Ben Johnson. Uh, a couple other names that came up as well. Side twelve says Detroit has a great O line where that creativity can work. Washington had a terrible O line with basically a late round rookie quarterback. Sam took unnecessary sacks because he was slow on Reeves, which is understandable with his lack of experience. And I hate this just run the ball BS. You just can't keep running the ball if you're always behind the sticks and behind on the scoreboard. And uh, how did Kansas City's offense look this year without EB? I'm not saying EB shouldn't be hired as head coach, but the slander is ridiculous. I hope the new coach sees EB's value and tries to keep him on staff. couple things. Just on a factual basis, the Kansas City Chiefs finished ninth in total offense. They also would have finished higher if their receivers would have caught the ball. Like, that's not... I don't think EB's demanding presence would have led to more catches in Kansas City. Now, there's other things where perhaps he could have helped. EB's a phenomenal coach. He played an essential part in what they did. But they had a personnel, some personnel issues in Kansas City that dropped them down. Their scoring probably would have been higher, too, because... Lord knows there was a like what three weeks in a row where like the game winning touchdown was dropped. I think it was four or five times this year where a game a go ahead or game winning touchdown hit a receiver in the hands. Like that that's not a scheme execution problem or a scheme problem. That's a catch the bleeping ball problem. So yes, Eric Bieniemy was missed in Kansas City, but it's not like they were inept without him. So that's that's one thing. I think more so on the Washington side, there's just some stuff that like. People put forth as reasons why, like, people, uh, like, I'm being too harsh or others are being too harsh on Eric Bieniemy. when I'm like, no, that is actually the point. Like, the O-line graded out per snap, per drop back, middle of the league. Uh, you're, you know, so when you say, like, oh, their offensive line is terrible, like, no, it wasn't. And we talk about he had a late-round rookie quarterback. Yes, so why would you drop back past that guy? Because one, you you had more attempts than anyone else in football behind that O-line and that with that quarterback. That's not good coordinating. No one said he had an easy job, but that's not good. And he also did it very little uh, threat of a run game, very limited use of play action. He didn't create the layups for Sam that other coordinators do. So they had personnel issues, but this is not a one-dimensional because their personnel wasn't good. You can't possibly fault Eric Bieniemy type of thing. When you're evaluating him, you can't say with a straight face, he did a good job. You can't just say, oh, it was hard, give him the head coaching job, or oh, it was hard, give him a pass. You look at the job that he took, which was his decision. He didn't have to come here. He took on that challenge. And he did a bad job. Not personal. Don't actually think he's a bad coach. I don't think this was a good fit for him. Something that became probably apparent to him very quickly. And I do think there are things that he tried to do that were repelled by whether it was other coaches, whether it was players. There's stuff that he... You didn't see the best of Eric Bieniemy this year. 
But you also didn't see anything, like the decisions that he did make on a big macro level that were his calls were bad ones. And that doesn't get erased either. So I'm just, I'm kind of, I can't wait till they have the next coach and we never have to talk about this again, if I'm being totally honest, which is why I appreciated this cart there, this comment from at DMV artist. He said, it's so entertaining. And this is the, the fun part. If you watch the show, Anthony, you get to see this every single day. Uh, Cause you, you watch me through the glass. You watch me on the screen. Um, he goes, it's so entertaining to see Craig's mind slowly lobotomize while talking to commanders fans, the things your average commanders fans will say he has a list. Anthony, you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Uh, we are tired of losing, but we want an OC who is coming off his worst year to be the head coach. Also, that same offensive coordinator didn't call all the plays while the Chiefs and he had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He comes here as the primary play caller and he performs worse than Scott Turner, but please promote him to head coach. That is something that we that we hear, right? It is indeed. Uh, number two, there's four of these. These are all good. The Cowboys don't know if Dak is talented enough to win it all. and The Dolphins don't know if Tua is good enough uh, either and both of those players are coming off of great years that being said commander fans are scared to move off of Sam Howell you can't make this up you can't make it up well you put it that way number three for the longest uh, time commanders fans believed and they probably still do that Taylor Heineke is the second coming of Tom Brady Taylor failed to get us in the playoffs for multiple years but you have fans that think he was the key to us being good Definitely a part of the fan base that's very loud that that has those thoughts. Yep. Sabah. <laughs> no comment. Uh, I love seeing, last one, I love seeing that all-star lineup of coaches we had. And even when we complained about the coaching, it wasn't until those guys, including Kyle Shanahan, went other places that we realized that we had some excellent coaches. If you remember, we couldn't wait to get Mike and his son out of here. It's like the same group of people that complains that none of those coaches were kept. Wanted them fired at the time and doesn't want a hot shot coordinator. How was that the same circle on a Venn diagram? I don't know, man. I don't know either. Uh, let's go. This was a funny one. Uh, it was funny uh, in, in to me anyway. Mark Harris. Uh, at Mike McDonald is my choice. Only con is I don't know what direction he and Adam would go with the offense. Anthony, that seems like a big con to me. That seems like an important question. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do on offense? <laughs> I don't know. And it's, it's, it's funny just because the way it's worded. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mark for watching the show. Um, but it is the question that obviously he'll have to answer in an interview. By the way, Ben Johnson is going to have to answer who's your defensive coordinator going to be. Who? What, what do you want to run on that side of the ball? Do you have a specific thing you want to do? Like, because that's a big decision. Because all of a sudden, if you change 4-3 to 3-4, like, some of your personnel doesn't fit nearly as well. Um, like, John Allen can play a 5-tech as an edge uh, or, like, a 3-4 uh, defensive end. But I don't know that I want to pay a 3-4 defensive end when he's getting paid. So, he's, he's better being 3-technique. So, things like that. Um, obviously, uh there was a race element to our conversation about Eric the enemy yesterday. And a lot of people saying like, this dude's been screwed. And I don't disagree uh, that it based off his resume, he certainly deserves uh, to be a head coach. Um, but then, then two commenters uh, came in on the anti enemy side with some, I just, I thought it was very funny. This is when, when comedy is, is great at Mario Hart 2651 says, listen, I'm black as a thousand midnights. And I do not want EB around another young quarterback. 
He refused to run the ball. I promise you the offensive players don't want him back. How many times did we have receivers running into each other? A lot of things are about race, but this ain't it. We have a very talented roster. It wasn't used to its maximum potential. It just wasn't. Ben Johnson can take our players and make them a top 10 offense. I don't know that I would say this is a super talented offense, but it's more talented than it showed this year. And I'm black as a thousand midnights is a banger hilarious line. Yeah, that's a bar right there. That's funny. What do you think about this one? Uh, a guy DMV artist gets this. Well, in response to Mario, uh, says, well, I'm blacker than Michael Blackson in a tub full of coffee. <laughs> What's wrong with people? I don't know, man. I think that's, I, I enjoyed the comedy. Uh, and he goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyway, I strongly believe that one of the reasons Sam Howell regressed was due to how hard he was coached by EB. Instead of getting better, he looked like he was lost after a promising start. Whatever he did or didn't do, I don't want him doing that to our new rookie quarterback. I don't know about the in-house coaching. And I do think sometimes guys like tell themselves they really want to be coached hard and they actually, it's not the best way for them to receive feedback. And it's not about being soft. It's not about this or that. It's just like, what's your learning style? If, if a coach is a teacher and is like super hard on people, but he's got a bunch of people that respond to like auditory learning, if they learn by hearing things, like that might really work. But if it's like, hey man, I told you a thousand times. And it's like, well, I'm a visual learner. If you drew it once, you wouldn't have to tell me twice. Like those are the kinds of things that you need to understand and have options as a coach. And so when EB would be like, oh, I do things my way. It's like, that's great if the people that you're working with also are compatible and it's not something as a human being that you have control over your learning style is your learning style so I, I, that is something i wonder about but i do think obviously the the way they used and deployed sam as i've talked about ad nauseum i'm not going to go back over it again is was was a huge uh reason why he regressed and was unable to grow this year uh britney says Brittany D9447 here on Never Read the Comments. Again, your YouTube comments at Craig Hoffman get you on the show. Uh, we can name a lot of hotshot young coordinators that are successful. Remember when Anthony, we had a caller yesterday try to tell us that no hotshot young coordinators are, are ever successful? Yeah. As if every head coach in the league wasn't a former coordinator. Like, there was a time Bill Belichick was a hotshot young defensive coordinator. Led the New York Giants, helped Bill Parcells lead the New York Giants to Super Bowl titles. Then he became a head coach. So I just, you know, also people, I hate retreads. Belichick's second time as a head coach was the Patriots. Just saying. Um, anyway, I'm now I'm going to get comments be like, Belichick didn't win without Brady. <laughs> He's got six Super Bowl rings as a head coach. Shut up. Uh, we can name a lot of hotshot young coordinators that are successful. Kyle, McVay, LaFleur. Come on, people. And being young means they have a higher ceiling. We've seen what these retreads have done, and they have been fired multiple times. That is also a good point that, hey, if you're a retread, that means you've had the job before and it didn't go well. The question I would have on the retreads is, what did you learn from the first time? I think Raheem Morris learned a lot. I think Dan Quinn learned a lot. I'd be very, very curious to see them. I think Vrabel's an excellent coach. He's also fresh off this. What has he learned? I don't know. Does he feel like he needs to learn? He needs to learn anything, or was the fact that his record went down the last two years just? Oh, I'm a victim of circumstance, which might be true. The front office made a bunch of wacky decisions there. If their goal was to win, so it, it is the retread game is interesting. Um, 
you know, the the coordinator job is interesting, but either you've never done the job before or you don't have the job anymore. There is no other options. Like there you can't trade for a head coach. Because if you have a good head coach, you're not like you can't call up the Rams and be like, what's it cost to get Sean McVay? They'd be like, uh, $17 billion. Josh is like, I already spent 6.1. We'll just go hire someone else. Thanks. We're all good on that. Um, getting into some of the other candidates and comments on them. Uh, Mr. Swervon, frequent commenter, says, I look at the Ravens defense and say it has a culture. Go back and look at Martindale. He had the second-ranked defense twice and third once. Go back before that, and they are always top 10. Not saying McDonald isn't good, but that culture of players and defense is always there. That is 100% true. Um, going back, obviously, Marvin Lewis back in the day uh, as defensive coordinator and that incredible 2000 defense that when that basically won them the Super Bowl um, all the way through. They you know, they, they had Hall of Fame players for damn near two decades anchoring it in Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, and they continued that past that, which is incredible. Guys like Terrell Suggs, and they, they just they continued to just have a culture about them that John Harbaugh inherited when he became the head coach and has continued on that side of the ball. There's just a toughness to that organization. Um, Ozzie Newsom building it, now Ernie DaCosta. Like, they're, they're exceptional at what they do. Now, the question I would have for Mike McDonald is, how do you bring that here? And if you can start establishing that, and that's the next 30 years of Washington football, incredible. We'll take the last 30 years of what Baltimore has done. Multiple Super Bowl appearances, always a contender. Like, that'd be that'd be awesome. But it doesn't, like, just because it's not unique and he might have inherited it doesn't mean that he's not also of it and can't bring it somewhere else. Um, viral hip-hop news. Anthony, always love when we get uh, viral hip-hop news or other channels that provide news on other topics asking us questions on our channel. I think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, viral hip hop news says if the Lions lose in the conference championship and the Ravens move on to the Super Bowl, how does that affect McDonald's chances of becoming our head coach with Johnson floating around freely in your opinion? My opinion is it doesn't matter one freaking bit. Um, it would be awesome if the coach that you wanted was available now because next week is the senior bowl. And frankly, if Detroit loses this weekend, I would try to like, do they play the early game or the late game, Anthony? They play the late game. Damn. Like, if they play the early game, I want Johnson introduced at halftime of the late game <laughs> uh, or whatever it is. So, if it, hey, if it's McDonald and they lose in the early game, let's get him in here. Like, that would be amazing to be able to send your staff to the senior bowl or send your coach and, and spend some time with your scouts and, you know, you're down there, you maybe get to do some hiring, um, all kinds of stuff gets set up. That'd be that'd be great. But the most, like, the these two weeks can be made up you can watch all the senior bowl stuff is available on film you can watch the tape back and do the scouting later um you can you'll get your hires like there's the most important thing is getting the right person so right person now a plus right person later uh, slight slight disadvantage wrong person now huge disadvantage don't do that um lyle paradise uh commented on one of our videos from earlier this week, one of my segments where I was talking about how you shouldn't judge uh, the head coaching candidates just off of what they're doing in these playoff games. That there is a deeper process that you will uncover in the interview process that double process there, whoops, uh, that you will over, undercover uh, as you interview these guys that will lead you 
to understand who they are and how they will be as head coaches. And Lyle Paradise 2764 says, this is why I'm glad we have Adam Peters as the GM. He's worked for organizations that have seen nothing but success while he was there. So we should have a pretty good understanding on what it takes to build a winning culture by getting the right people in the right jobs. Will hiring a rookie head coach bring immediate results? Only time will tell. But so far, I feel that he and the rest of the organization have gotten their act together, and that's something to feel good about for a change. I totally agree with that. Even the, the buttoned-up nature of this coaching search, there's not a lot of leaks. Like, yeah, we're hearing that that Ben Johnson's the guy from various people, and, and, you know, like Boomer Esiason, for instance, said it on on his show this morning up in New York. And he's like, ah, oh, it's done. And, like, Boomer's been around the NFL a long time. Here's hearing a bunch of rumors. He might be talking to agents or whatever. And, like, agents know everything. So I'm not saying that there aren't clear indications that he's their guy. But at the end of the day, they haven't done the interviews yet. And I think one of the things that I really like about a guy like Adam Peters is he's going to respect the process. The reason he doesn't have a favorite yet is because he hasn't completed the process. He's got early impressions. He's not going to share them with anyone. And ultimately, if he sits down next week with Mike McDonald, with Anthony Weaver, with Aaron Glenn, and those guys blow him away, and he's like, you want to know what? My gut tells me that this guy's got it together more. This guy's the better coach, not Johnson. I know why everyone likes Ben, but I'm going to go with Aaron Glenn. He'll do it. They'll follow the process and they'll run out the ground ball all the way till the end. And you can't know until you do the interview. And so um, I appreciate that a lot about Adam Peters. And it's and that kind of person has never been here in Washington. It's been a bunch of narrative chasing. And that's not just like a reference to Ben Standing's article on Ron Rivera. That's been Daniel Snyder's entire tenure. Uh, last but not least, this is a, a bit off topic, but um, I thought it was interesting and uh worthy of responding to wild bill 0072 so it's not a secret agent anthony not not 007 0072 says just curious who gives up on a young qb first is it the media the team team management or the fans i know that baker mayfield and jared goff were both written off as quote someone who will eventually be a good backup somewhere and yet they both beat previous media darlings stafford and hurts same thing for love and dak or geno smith Seems like media is always willing to give up on a QB first when we haven't heard anyone from the team or management chime in. For the 24th ranked offensive line and a receiver core that ranked 31st in separation, as well as the defense that ranked dead last, the laser focus of the media might be a little less focused on QB. Lots of blame to spread around and plunking another QB into this team as it currently stands, even if it's the most important position on the team, will not produce wins. So first of all, I think that people struggle with the idea that you can do multiple things at once. And like, this is a, this is a societal issue. I don't know how deep I want to get with this. We're at the end of the segment, probably just going to get me in trouble. So I'll just, I'll stay fairly surface level. Um, multiple things can be true at once and not every problem is simplified into blaming one person. There are times that is true. But often, multiple factors and multiple things can be true at once. Commander's O-line can be great, or it can not be great. It can also be not as bad as people think because the quarterback didn't do certain things. 
uh, the coordinator didn't do certain certain things. The receivers' separation numbers are an indicator that they didn't have very good years. But if you were to have a different play calling scheme and featured more play action where guys ran wide open, then their separation numbers would look better. This is why it's important to respect people with expertise. This is why I do a podcast twice a week with Logan Paulson, and when he watches the film and he shows me something, I go, oh, okay. I don't go, no, Logan, my feelings tell me something else. I go, oh, okay, I get it. And it's why if you're going to use data and statistics, you better understand what they are. I'm tired of hearing about the separation rate thing. I don't know how that number is compiled, but I watch the film and I see times where if you measured it now, the separation isn't very good. If you measure it now, the separation is good enough that a ball should be there. And it's not because the quarterback doesn't throw with anticipation, for instance, in a specific example. And again, a second later, it's it's the routes closed down again. But the guy came open in timing and the ball wasn't there. And if depending on when which frame, one, two, three, you take that that measurement in in terms of yards of separation, you're gonna have different a different number. And again, if if you have a schemed open, wide open, no one within 15 yards of you, like happens to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco all the time. Are they actually better separators or do they win with the pen in San Francisco more often? And that helps their separation numbers. It's all like, and those things happen, not black and white. Yes and no, they happen on varying levels. And so to the larger point about quarterback and who gives up on them first, like we all see the results and media often is responding to what we're told by people who actually work for the teams. So, yeah, they're not going to hold a press conference and be like, our guy sucks, because that would involve them admitting that they made a mistake publicly, which nobody ever does, because we're afraid of shame in America uh, instead of afraid of being wrong. And instead, they'll go to some reporter and be like, yeah, we definitely messed it. Like, yeah, we're probably going to go in a different direction. And then it looks like the media gave up on him and fans have been booing him for two weeks anyway. And then it's like, oh, everyone's out ahead of the teams. Why is everyone so mean to this guy? And it's like, do you watch the games? So, yeah, I, I think media is often a mirror. It reflects what people who actually know stuff are saying. And there's another part of media that is merely a reflection of what fans are saying. And not to say that there aren't plenty of people that have their own opinions, but typically they either know stuff or they're just fans themselves. I think that's important to keep in mind. Uh, when we get back on the Hoffman Show, as that was, never read the comments. Uh, you can leave your comment. We'll respond to it on YouTube at Craig Hoffman or here on the show at the Team 980. We stream live every single day and highlights go up nightly at those YouTube spots. So make sure you're subscribed to both. Uh, Coming up next, though, Dave Johnson joins us on a Wizards game day here on the Team 980.